You're listening to What the Business, the business podcast where I interview independent business owners about success, failure, and all the moments in between. My name is Josie Berg, and I'm your host. Hello, hello. Today on the podcast, we have the beautiful Jenny Henderson. Her and I get deep into all things branding and brand. Um, That's what she specializes in, so she gives some great insight and tips. We also talk more about being new um, to owning your own business and what that process can feel and look like sometimes. Um, This episode is super great. I'm so excited. Um, But I also have two things to mention before we dive in. The first thing is that um, the episode you are about to listen to is the full Patreon episode. Uh, I know you're not on my Patreon right now. You are in the right place. I just thought I would share what a typical Patreon episode sounds like. So you will hear all the bonus questions at the end. Um, But yeah, so my Patreon link is in the show notes you can subscribe it's a monthly fee of four or five canadian dollars i think and basically you get full episodes with bonus questions bonus conversations chatted about with these experts in their field so you get just that much more information and knowledge and i also go into i write out the full notes of the episode so my full notes go really deep into what the tips are given what tips are given what were what was talked about and all that jazz so you get to read through it um as well if you prefer that or if you're in a rush and you just want to quickly read through the notes you can do that um you also get access to the facebook group which is a really cool collaborative community type space that i am creating for you all um including myself so that us as business owners can chat and get business advice and yeah just have a safe space to chat online so that's what you get you can subscribe or at least just look into it with a link in my uh, show notes but again this is an a full patreon episode for all you to listen to and hear all the bonus questions so yeah that is the first tidbit note thing i wanted to talk about the second piece of information is that the crm i use called dubsado i talk about it all the time on the podcast um if you've listened to even one episode you probably have heard it mentioned there this episode i mention it they are so incredible and i'm so thrilled with their service and everything i've experienced thus far i've had dubsado for i think almost two years now and yeah i'm just so thrilled they're having a wicked sale. If you are interested in, um, I think it's like 15% off or something like that. Um, but if you're interested in checking Dubsado out or yeah, you want a CRM or you want to upgrade your CRM, uh, and you want to take advantage of the sale, I do have an affiliate link, um, that just gets me a bit of extra bonus goodies from Dubsado. So, check out the show notes you'll find the affiliate link there um yeah i highly recommend Upsado. 10 out of 10 customer service everything is so superb and yeah if you feel like upgrading or getting a crm check it out and use my link in the show notes that is all i wanted to get into quick before the episode begins so please please enjoy this episode today on the podcast we have Jenny Henderson from Jenny Henderson Studio. She is a brand design and coach. Welcome to the podcast, Jenny. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. So um, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, your expertise, your work experience, and just kind of start from the top. For sure. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm a brand designer here in Toronto um, and I work with a lot of small business owners, but I actually grew up in Nova Scotia and had my kind of beginning in fine arts. So um, I never started as a designer. My whole goal growing up was to be a painter, but that's not really a realistic career path. But um, yeah, I came from like a really artistic family. You know, my dad painted and is still a very talented painter. My brother is an illustrator. So I was always drawing and being creative growing up. And so I, uh, painting was a big thing. And so I studied fine arts at uh, the Nova Scotia College of Art and Design. Okay. So I got a BFA there and um, my plan was to, you know, 
become an artist, do something on the side, but like that was always kind of my calling, but obviously not really the most realistic choice. Um, so when I graduated, I moved to Toronto. I landed like an artist residency here up um, at the Spadina House Museum, which is just adjacent to Casa Loma. And I was like, I had gallery representation. Like I thought I was checking all the boxes, doing this artist thing. Um, and I was doing it pretty well. And I had a lot of income from like commission work, but obviously needed a job to uh, pay the bills and, and the rent and such. So I started working at Steam Whistle Brewery here in Toronto. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Mm -hmm. um, and it was such a great place to work. You know, it's so, the culture is so fun and it's such a strong brand and mm -hmm. learn a lot about beer and, and kind of the company culture there was wonderful. That's so good. a great place to, to live and work uh, when you move to a new city. Um, and I really fell into it and I was painting a little bit on the side, but you know, I slowly kind of just started working more than I was painting. And, um, you know, I was giving tours and running events there and eventually running the gallery, but it wasn't like a career that I wanted to stay in, but I was so mm -hmm. reluctant to like go back to school. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had really no idea where I was going to go with my career. And so as I started getting uh, closer to 30, I was like, okay, I need to bite the bullet and go back to school. And so I did uh, end up taking some design courses and and just fell in love with it immediately. Just really enjoyed the process, really enjoyed the creative component and just learning new things. Um, and I managed to land a job before I was even finished working for a real estate brokerage just as their in-house designer. So I was like, oh, oh this okay. is great. Like it's my first like nine to five job. I was so excited. Um, <laughs> and I learned a lot, you know, working there, like in terms of like marketing, it was a really small team. And just how to kind of, you know, run marketing funnels and, you know, mm, promote yeah. to businesses and use social media and all these things that I didn't really know a ton about. And on the side, I was always doing a little bit of freelance design. Like, um, you know, I was doing logo designs for people, any creative projects like lead magnets and social media mm -hmm. graphics. And then this side hustle that I was doing really started to take off. And um, so I was working nine to five. And then over like, I guess probably like two years, I started to get really, really busy with my kind of side hustle work. So I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And uh, I, I found I was getting a lot more creative fulfillment from it too, mm -hmm. because it wasn't yeah. just working on one brand, I was working on many different brands and other creative projects. So eventually this side hustle really kind of started to take over and I was getting up before work to do work on it. I was coming home and doing work on the evenings and weekends. And it got to a point where this was more lucrative than my salary job. Mm, so yeah, I kind of like hummed and hawed for a while. I was like, is this something I can do? Like I really felt compelled to kind of pursue this, but it's such a scary move, right? To like yeah. quit, quit a guaranteed income and then start your own business, not really knowing if it would be sustainable. So mm -hmm. I kind of, you know, I saved a lot of money. I was working a lot just with my job and the side business. So I banked a lot of money and I said, you know what, let's just do it. And I quit my job and it actually all happened. It was about a year ago. It was the same week that Toronto basically shut down. Oh, wow. Pandemic. So I had literally quit <laughs> my job it was my last day and then everything shut down. I was like, Oh no, like, is this like the worst or best? I've made a huge sure. mistake. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I mean, I have some savings. So whatever happens, I should be okay. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so it's ever since then, I, I've just been, you know, working for myself. And fortunately, it was not too much of a, a hurdle with the pandemic. And mm -hmm. now I'm just kind of slowly evolving and growing as a business. And it's just been such an adventure, but I, I can't imagine working for somebody else now. <laughs> like, I'm sure yeah, you could agree. Yeah. Like, it's just so nice to be your own boss and have that mm -hmm. creative freedom. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. now I mostly focus on on the branding component. Mm -hmm. It's kind of whittled down to to more brand focused design, mm -hmm. but it's it's been amazing. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. So um yeah, I think well, I think a lot of creatives can relate to that. And a lot of creatives have a similar story of like kind of that struggle of wanting consistent pay and wanting to feel stable in your career and in your income and life, but then also not feeling fulfilled. And then kind of the way the yeah. transition happens is always kind of comical in a way because it's you start to realize, oh no, like 
I can do, I can freelance and do this on my own. I just have to, you know, approach it differently or, you know, learn and yeah, kind of let it grow naturally. Um, so yeah, that's always kind of funny. So I love your story because it's super relatable. <laughs> yeah. I think, like, I think somehow through like my, cause I've always had this draw to creativity. It's always been in my family mm-hmm. and like, despite always trying like one, like the practical choice, getting a job here or there, like it always kind of pulls me in this one direction. Like, I think I was always meant to kind of end up here. Yes. It's just having the trust in myself or, or if it's the right path, but I think yeah. I was, it was always going to end up this way. It's more just trusting your instincts and mm-hmm. paying attention to the signs. Yeah, for sure. And I think too, like, even looking at some of my job experience that is so unrelated to even photography or just owning a business, some of my random job experience getting to where I'm at now, like it was huge. It was like, they were all stepping stones to get. Yeah. A hundred percent. I totally agree with that. Cause even like at steam whistle, their brand is so strong. Like the way they um, kind of focus their branding is such a huge component to their business. Mm -hmm. Um, So even when I was there, I know I was learning about branding without realizing it. And then, yeah, working at the real estate brokerage, like I, it was just a team of four of us. So I was alongside a marketing manager. The two of us worked together okay. on everything. So I learned so many things that mm-hmm. I now have to use in my business. So I don't think I could have been able to or would have been able to quit my job and do this had I not learned all those things. So I, I acquired so much um, you know, knowledge that I can run a bit, excuse me, run a business now mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. I never would have been able to do had I not had that kind of stepping stone along the way. So for sure. Yeah. It's, it's crazy when you can, you can only realize it in retrospect though. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. When mm-hmm. you're in it, you're like, ah, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. What, what yeah. am I doing? Um, so how did you get your first few clients then? Um, once you, once you, know, you knew you wanted to do it. Yeah. I was, um, when we were in school, they, there's a lot of freelancing platforms online, like Upwork, mm. And things like that. So Upwork was kind of my go-to where you can, you know, work with people on various creative projects. So mine would be, again, anything really under the sun that I felt compelled to do. I tried to do as much logo and brand design as possible, but um, just to get some extra income, I was kind of taking on little projects too. Um, So you can always um, find interesting people and clients that way, some of which are better than others. But I had a few clients um, that I worked on, small projects that I still work with today. and so that was kind of my my starting point for finding clients. And then eventually, you know, I have a lot of friends that would kind of word of mouth spread around. And then those few clients, one of whom that I found through Upwork is a business coach in the States. And so she has a lot of clients herself yeah. that she would refer to me for branding. So she was a really um, kind of integral part of my business growth from the beginning because she referred so much business to me and just was, I was getting a lot of kind of free coaching along the way, almost in some capacity, because she was always my, you know, number one supporter. Um, And I still work with her today. So a lot of it was just word of mouth. And then um, just kind of embracing social media now is kind of my biggest uh, client face, which is always great. It's the greatest free marketing resource ever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's wild. I think I get like 80% of all inquiries from Instagram. And occasionally yeah, a few from Pinterest and then, yeah, a handful from Google. Yeah. It's and wild. I guess referrals, um, but a lot Instagram. Yeah, yeah, referrals is kind of the, the big one still. But yeah, early on, it was really just taking little projects and hoping something would evolve. And luckily mm-hmm. it, it did. But yeah, I don't I don't use that so much anymore. But um, yeah, there's always great options for freelancers to, to find clients online that way. There's always a lot of different ways to connect with people online, I think that's the beauty of the digital age is you can connect with so many mm-hmm. people without having to even like leave your home essentially. So yeah. Yeah. I don't even think I could have started this business, you know, when I was in university or like 10 years ago, yeah. it wouldn't have been feasible, not to this extent. So yeah, you have to, I mean, you look at the way people used to build a business and it, it really was just like working from the ground up yeah. working and doing odd jobs here, there and networking the crap out of yourself so hard. Yeah trying to meet people, forcing yourself into situations where you're meeting people and then just hoping that they remember your name. Like, it seems like that was really kind of the way to do it for many years before really, I guess, Instagram and Facebook are two huge things. Those really changed the game. Yeah. And as like somebody who's more introverted than extroverted, like Mm -hmm. I would not have done well in that era. Like just trying to like schmooze and sell myself is like not my cup of tea. So I think having this digital kind of um, 
in between has been really helpful for for my personality type to make that mm -hmm. uh, success. So I think I'm very grateful for the timing of everything in, in that capacity too. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a ton. Um, yeah, there's so many. I'm a part of so many Facebook groups and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. it is use your resources when you can, I guess. And yeah, it is nice because you can kind of force yourself to be more extroverted online with a bit yeah. more ease. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what's one kind of piece of marketing advice that you took and you started um, or you implemented when you started your business? Uh, I know we were just kind of talking about that. So keeping on that topic. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it was more, I, I re really adopted a lot of the strategies that the, my real estate broker had been using because he was mm -hmm. a single brand like one person selling homes and condos and things like that so I could really adapt a lot of it um, for a personal brand like myself so it's really just like having a lead magnet something that can offer free value to people and also kind of showcase your expertise and then um, that's a great way to start you know collecting emails and then retargeting to them so things like that which I would never have known how to do or even set up so having kind of those email workflow campaigns and things like that in place that was all very new to me so I'm so grateful that um my coworker was able to kind of teach me that and then I adopted a lot of those same practices so just having um you know social media accounts where you can promote the things that you know again offering that value to people so that they appreciate and kind of learn from you and then start to trust you as that kind of you know, mm -hmm. expert in your field. I think that's a huge thing. And obviously something I still do. And most people I, I would encourage to, to do that is offer a lot of your expertise in a way that benefits their business. So always thinking kind of of your audience and what they need. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of the biggest takeaway I have and, and kind of use as my, you know, marketing tool, just as a free marketing tool through social media. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know a lot of people say that to do freebies for, um, like subscribing to newsletters and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, how often do you think those types of things should be refreshed and changed and altered? And because I know that for me, a lot of the times I'm like, oh, I've had this freebie for like half a year. Like I should probably do something new or yeah. what's kind of that structure recommendation for that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I've, I've only been in business for about a year. I think there's there are pieces that will be kind of your key, like you'll have maybe one key um, lead magnet. If you have more than one freebie, that's fine. I have a few. I think there's you always going to be that one that is kind of your anchoring piece and will be quite evergreen. So as long as you have all the key information in there that shouldn't really need to change unless you're, you know, evolving and maybe you learn a bit more. So you want to add to it or update it that way. Um, and as long as, you know, it's well-branded and it's not, you know, poorly done, I think, as long mm -hmm. as it is really well done and executed and reflects your brand and the value you offer, I think you don't necessarily need to change it. Although it's kind of nice sometimes to give it maybe a quick refresh yeah. in terms of styling or add a couple extra tidbits that you might um, think will increase its value. But I don't think you need to change it. But I think it's definitely worth um, you know, thinking of new ways you can offer maybe a new freebie or replacing one that maybe doesn't generate a lot of interest, mm -hmm. dropping that and then replacing it with something that might um, actually add more value to the things that your, your audience wants. So mm -hmm. I think just keeping in mind what works and what isn't working and paying attention to the trends that you see from how your audience receives those things and, and even just asking them on social media, yeah. like what yeah. are the things you want to see? And then using that as your kind of guiding direction for, for what you want to create content wise. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what, so what do you do mostly for your clients? What's kind of like your main service that you provide? So my, yeah, so my thing is now branding. I, I started off earlier on last year doing kind of all the graphic design. So like I said, just taking on any project I could to kind of keep the income coming. But um, over the last year, I've really started to narrow down and had the ability to, you know, turn away other projects now to really focus on branding and logo design for, for companies, particularly small business. Um, and so that's been such a joy. So working with clients to really, you know, bring to life their, their brand and give them something that really empowers their business. Because I think a lot of people come to me because they need a logo or they need, you know, some fonts and colors and that's what they expect. And that is a part of what they're getting. But I, I really believe in kind of that the ability of branding to really set them off in a really strong direction in their business and kind of 
align them more in their business because of the way the process works. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's something that I try to really engage with my clients now more and, and, and try to also when I'm, you know, interviewing clients or and vice versa, like make sure that we're the right fit because I don't want to work with somebody that just wants a quick logo that, and doesn't want to kind of participate in the process because mm -hmm. there is so much you can get out of the branding process if you're willing to, you know, participate and be collaborative. And so I yeah. think now over the last year, I'm really starting to embrace that and really try to kind of focus on that when I, when I talk to people and, and try to, you know, convey the real value that you can get mm -hmm. out of the branding journey. I think it's so empowering to your business, but you don't really know until you have it almost because it's kind of yeah. a foreign concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's my main focus right now is just building brands and, and giving them kind of the tools they need to grow their business for the long run. Mm -hmm. So in a nutshell, then um, explain what a brand is, because I know that there are yeah. many people that have no clue <laughs> what a brand is, or they think it's kind of something different than it actually <laughs> is. So how would you, you know, in yeah, very yeah, layman's term, <laughs> break it, yeah. break a brand down. <laughs> sure, I'll do my best. Um, yeah, it's kind of an abstract concept that way at times. So most people, and even I'll be honest, like I, if you asked me five years ago, I'd probably give this same answer. Um, we'll say like a brand is, you know, it's your logo, it's the colors and your business and how those kind of connect. And, and it is that, but that's more the brand identity, which is I think what most people presume a brand to be is the, mm. the visual components, but the brand is really kind of the personality and the experience that you create mm. around your business. So when you're creating a brand, or at least when I'm creating a brand with someone, it's really about asking a lot of internal questions about you as a business, your goals, kind of your personality. Um, and also the largest part is always kind of focusing on your audience. Cause ultimately that's, those are the people that will really determine what your brand will be. Um, mm -hmm. So when you can use things like your brand identity to help form that um, kind of idea of your brand in their minds, those are kind of the tools we use, but it's really getting, tapping into the kind of who your audience is and, and trying your best to build a brand around them and their needs. Um, so it, it gets a little uh, confusing. I think this is the part that I really want to start embracing and uh, educating people on is, is how important the strategic aspect of branding can be, mm -hmm. because it really does give you the tools to really strengthen your business in terms of how you approach your business decisions, how you approach um, kind of the messaging that you're, you're putting out there and all these little components, they're all related to being a brand. Yeah. Um, so it's that big picture and always kind of, you really wanna just focus it around a particular concept and message and idea that really resonates with your audience. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's such a complicated question. But, it is. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, really just a about brand the is, experience, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a brand is kind of, it is a concept in and of itself. That's yeah. what it is, right? I think, I think it's Jeff Bezos that said, like before he was a billionaire, um, <laughs> that said, your brand is how you make people feel or something like that. Yeah, something it's like it's what they, say, what they say about you when you leave the room. Is yes, essentially that's what right. it is. Yeah, yeah, which is very true. So I always try and ask that question too, is like, what do you want? people to say about you like what what do you want them to say and why what like what are they telling their friends and why are they telling their friends mm -hmm. so like mm -hmm. what are the things that they are about to say about you afterwards well, how can you cater to that response um so it's really keeping in mind the whole experience and how you're and when it comes to the visual elements it's you know how are you using your logo and your colors and your fonts in a way that maintains a consistent experience and and kind of becomes um a reliable source to those people that you're trying to connect with. Mm -hmm, for sure. So what's, uh, what would you say from your experience and what you've seen is a misconception about how to brand yourself, branding in general? Um, yeah. A misconception. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's really just, it's not so much a misconception as just not knowing how to maintain a strong brand and I think the biggest thing I, I keep kind of reiterating at least on my social media account is just like how consistency is so important to your brand and I think 
a lot of the ways people, you know, misuse or do poorly with their branding is they they keep trying new things that aren't within the realm of how they should, you know, express themselves. Like so, trying different fonts, or maybe I'll throw in this other color just because I I liked it on somebody else's brand mm. and I want to try it. And that can work strategically potentially, but mostly you want to just have you know guidelines in place to constantly deliver this consistent visual and emotional experience. Um, and I think when you actually do it and embrace it, it makes everything so much simpler too, because you're yeah. not overcomplicating it. You're not thinking about all the, you know, hundred different colors and fonts you could potentially use. You're really focusing on the same um, experience. And when you deliver that consistent experience, it becomes very familiar and people start to really trust and, and learn from you that way because they, they rely on that consistency and it, and it forms a really good um, connection with them. But yeah, I think it's just not so much a misconception, but just a misuse of mm-hmm. branding elements and yeah. underestimating kind of how important that consistency factor is. Mm-hmm. So then aside from kind of fonts, colors, um, yeah, things like that, what other things can people do to keep a brand consistent? Cause I know I've fall victim to this all the time. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so easy when you see something that's pretty online to be like, Oh, I'd totally. love to incorporate this. Um, so how can people in other ways to not just the, the font and the colors? Cause I know those are huge. Those are the easiest to change mm-hmm. too. So it's the most tempting, but <laughs> in other ways, how can people keep it consistent? Yeah. I think if they're, if you're still kind of early on too and trying to find your direction, I think there are ways you can adapt kind of, and I'm thinking mostly in terms of like social media content, the, the images and the, the content you'd be creating there. If there are things you want to adopt, um, like in terms of, you know, maybe you start using more graphics that are using your brand colors and, um, and fonts, but just start adopting some new styles in terms of how you use them or execute them. and. Um, I think that is okay as long as the key elements are the same, but how you mm-hmm. present or, you know, use them is, is, is a different thing. So adopting new styles or, or ways of presenting them. So like a lot of people do some fun graphics on social media to showcase, you know, stats or, or fun tidbits. And I think that's fine. You can adopt it that way, or maybe it's, you should take a shift in how you're using your imagery. If you haven't kind of found your, unique style like photography for instance like if maybe you haven't you've tried a few different things and you haven't really found your you know moods or style in that realm if you're more of a photo-based um presence or, or brand just try to really pay attention to the ones that get a good response or even ones that you feel resonate most or align most with with your own personality and mm-hmm. and how you feel and then just start going out of your way to really collect those images so that you have a bunch of them that are on hand that are um, easy to, to use throughout the, the month in terms of your content, but also have that similar cohesive look and feel. Mm-hmm. So I think just trying to find the style that you want to embrace and it's fine to, to you know, experiment, but always try to keep, I would say, you know, the, the colors and the fonts have to be the same. Um, but even with photography, like try to keep a similar color palette throughout those mm-hmm. those photographs and things like that, so that they're not, you know, maybe dim and 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 light toned in one day, and then just like really dark contrast with deep yeah. deep colors on another day. So just try to find those visual elements that are cohesive, mm-hmm. however you use them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as like keeping it cohesive what uh kind of tools and things can people do to use that because I know there's like I mean my god there's so many apps and Canva's a big one but um even just when it comes to yeah I guess the question I'm trying to ask is like what kind of tools can people use to help them keep or what kind of tools do you use in your business even yeah Yeah. well for me I use creative cloud which I know is mm, yeah. the most readily available. Um, but I do use Canva a lot with some clients so that I can set them up with templates for things. And I think that mm-hmm. is kind of the go-to and like, it is a very user-friendly and they, they keep evolving as a, as a system, which is great. They bring in more tools and things as 
time goes on. So I think it's a great resource. I would almost always turn people to that for creative um, yeah, construction and things like that. Yeah, I remember when Canva first came out, I was like, I will never use this unless I improve <laughs> and get better because it had like everything that came out of Canva had the same look. And I was just like, this is, doesn't look that professional. But now, I mean, oh my gosh, it's on Yeah, it's changed level. so much. Yes, so like, yeah. I mean, I, I will use it on occasion. Um, and I think it's a great tool for, you know, the everyday business owner to use because they have lots of great templates already. Um, it's so easy to edit. I mean, it's, it follows a lot of the same principles that I use in my other design programs, um, just on a smaller scale. Mm -hmm. So I think if you can use something like Canva or even for like, there's so many apps too for like story editing and things like that for Instagram on your phone that you can get. I think if you find whatever works for you and maybe it's one thing, maybe it's two or three different programs and just find, create like two or three templates or more and just kind of use those as your content um, to, to keep it consistent. So like maybe there's a type of story animation that you like in an app that you wanna keep using periodically so that it's constantly kind of keeping that um, mm -hmm. consistent uh, output. And then just, yeah, set up templates in Canva and, and use those to make it easier for yourself too for content creation. It shouldn't be a huge burden for you to create content or or graphics and things like that, just make it as easy as possible and it'll strengthen your, your overall brand when you do these things consistently and keep them all kind of within the same mm -hmm. style. Yeah, mm -hmm, for sure. And then uh, keeping on the topic of brand, I do want to get more to some of your business flow and structures. But I do have one more brand kind of question. Sure. Um, what do you think having a clear and concise brand can do for scaling a business? Like how can someone revamp their brand and use that as leverage to grow further basically <laughs> yeah well what I try to encourage a lot of my clients when we start out is to really focus on the trajectory of their business you know a lot of my clients come to me to rebrand because they have a business that now has evolved it has new you know facets to it or it's completely changed in a different direction that they didn't anticipate and so they have to rebrand to now encompass this other um, element of their business. So I try my best now to encourage people to really imagine the different avenues your business can change early on because this will help you avoid rebranding one, but it, it just allows you to kind of have that mindset early on to plan ahead so that things can grow. You have a brand that can grow with your business. So you're not, you know, limiting yourself or, you know, denying yourself a, a potential area of growth because your brand doesn't speak to that. I think if you can hit those targets early on and have a brand that can grow with your business, um, I think that's super important to consider. And it's easy to get, you know, wrapped up in what you're currently doing, like, and just focusing so directly on one particular aspect of your business, but really try to open up and, and imagine, you know, where will your business be in five years or 10 years? that you can maybe factor that into your branding process early on. So it'll help with your business development as well as your brand development. So mm -hmm. I think just kind of keeping that in mind as early on as possible in your business will help you have a brand that can grow with your business. So you avoid, you know, constantly having to rebrand and mm -hmm. changing your image and things like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Um, so when it comes to your day-to-day -day work, um, I always like to say, I mean, I, I say, I say that every episode, so maybe I should start changing the way I word it, but I always say work smarter, not harder. Um, mm -hmm. what are kind of some habits or tips you use to help kind of streamline certain things or yeah, just to work smart because yeah, no one, no one has time or energy to waste I know, on I little think tasks. This is, we have, this is always the one that people want the answer from most so they can, you know. <laughs> Take the part and, and yeah, use yeah, yeah, yeah. We have um, pandemic TV shows to watch, which at this yeah. stage in the pandemic is mostly just like bad reality TV. I feel like I know, <laughs> I know. Um, it's definitely been a work in progress, kind of my processes and what I do. Um, I will say I rely so heavily on Google Calendar. Like, I'm mm -hmm. a very forgetful person. Like, I a very poor short term memory. So, like, if I have a thing to do or uh, you know, a call or a reminder for anything, it all goes into my calendar. Like if I don't put it there, I will forget it. Um, so I, at the beginning of the week, I typically start 
um, Monday off with like an hour and a half of content creation for the week. Um, and I'm usually throughout the week kind of like jotting down ideas that I think of. And then on the Monday, I'll try and create um, all of them, if not most of them, if I can get it done in time. And then um, I focus on some client work. And then Tuesdays is uh, a day I reserve just for my own business. So okay. I don't do any client work, although I yeah. shouldn't say that. I do end up putting <laughs> a bit of client work in there despite my best efforts. Um, but I try to make that just about my own business development so that I'm not getting, you know, you can get really overworked and overwhelmed when you're focusing everything on client work and other people's um, businesses. So I think it's really important to have a day in your week or at least chunks of time throughout the week that are designated to non-client work so that you can, you know, recharge and be creative in your own business. And also it kind of allows me to think about how I want to work towards my goals that I might have or, you know, just work on a personal project just to kind of alleviate some of that extra kind of business pressure. It's more mm -hmm. fun and kind of reminds me why I'm in business a bit because I'm just allowed to focus kind of on my own uh, business and self. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, like it's, it's mostly just a lot of kind of juggling my timeline on my calendar. And I have gotten better about putting together proper process workflows for myself. In the beginning, I was really just kind of like, flying by the seat of my pants and like setting reminders to do things. But now I'm like, okay, I need, I have like, a, I use Asana for um, okay. workflows. So making sure that I'm actually following, you know, when this goes out, then do this and then do this. So I think that's super important and can really help you stay focused, but it just, it gives you that kind of clarity and confidence that you, you can trust your system. Mm -hmm. So I think if you can find the the right tools to make things easier for yourself, because when you're running a business, and a lot of us freelancers are doing it ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. There's so much more to see, like to oversee yeah. like your accounting. And so I set a reminder at the end of the month to always make sure I track my expenses and, and things like that. So always just kind of staying on top of the workflow. So just putting in decent processes for yourself um, and sticking to them and then paying attention to the things that work and don't work and adjusting as you go. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's been, a, it's been a work in progress, but I think the more systems and workflows you can set up for yourself the easier the day-to-day -day becomes for sure mm -hmm. yeah 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 that's so true and recently I've heard a lot of people talking more about like batching so exactly having like one set day that's your business not your mm -hmm. clients or client yeah your other businesses that you do this work for um things like that can be really helpful but yeah I have so Asana's like a CRM right I've heard, I yeah. know the name, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used Dubsado and I could not recommend a CRM anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was talking to a coworker about that, or like a, somebody I, I pair with sometimes, because I people keep talking about Dubsado and I was like, okay, I'm going to look into this, but I just found mm -hmm. it so overwhelming. Mm. Um, so I, I have not yet dabbled too much further than just <laughs> that one initial yeah. uh, encounter. But I think as my business grows, I'm sure I will need something more uh, in, in depth like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't even use, yeah, I don't even use everything that I can. And they're like beta testing a bunch of new stuff. And like, there's just, they're growing so much. They're new though. Like I yeah. think I've had them for a year or two now. And yeah, like I remember signing up and being like, this company's brand new. So yeah, no, they've, I keep hearing about them in the last like two weeks, it comes up all the time. So it's, mm -hmm. that's why I kind of inquired about it, but I think maybe in the next couple marketing months, circle working. back. <laughs> yeah, it is. No, it definitely is. <laughs> um, so do you outsource anything? Because in a, I mean, as all, all business owners are in a way an outsourcing tool, right? Um, mm -hmm. Like no one's going to shoot their own wedding, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> more specifically with, I think, marketing and branding and design services, um, like you are the person to go to and someone can't do it themselves. So what do mm -hmm. you use? I mean, I guess Asana is totally one of them, but um, other than that, do you outsource anything? You know what? Not really yet. I think one thing mm -hmm. that I want to, one of my goals this year is to hire somebody potentially to work on me with like Pinterest strategy. Mm. Cause that's something I don't, I, I do Pinterest, but I don't know it well enough to have it be like, I feel like I'm putting more work into it than I need mm -hmm. to because I just don't know it well enough. Um, so I think one of my goals is be to outsource to have like a social media person for specifically Pinterest to kind of elevate that. Cause I know it's such a huge 
um, resource for huge yeah website traffic like and I get a lot of website traffic from it but I want I know I can do it better um, but I just don't have the time or the tools or knowledge to to pull mm -hmm. it off so that is definitely something I want to outsource but um, not yet everything else I do kind of myself um, I work occasionally with as I mentioned somebody uh, she's also a, a brand photographer and does web design. So I get a lot of clients that ask me to do branding and web design, but I don't really do the web design aspect. I sometimes mm. will create wireframe designs, but I don't execute them. Um, that's not my area of expertise. So um, I will often refer that part of the, the business to somebody else. But for the most part, I, I kind of do it all, but I kind of love that part of running the business, at least right now as I'm still... Yeah young in business um i i, I kind of enjoy the process and all the yeah. little tidbits that that come along with it but i definitely know as i grow i'm gonna have to but it's hard to relinquish control too <laughs> a little bit like yeah yeah, yeah. trust it's somebody hugely. else to do something yeah like because i i feel like it's such a creative job my own but just i want that creative input in a lot of things so i think it'll be a hard adjustment for me to kind of let somebody take over a section of my business mm -hmm. in any way yeah that's the most common thing I hear when people talk about outsourcing is just how like kind of challenging it is to let go let go mm -hmm. control of some of those things but um I mean it just takes time too and too yeah when you're starting out it is exciting and it is kind of or from what I've heard and I mean my very little experience I think it is really valuable just to do it yourself first totally. and then to get someone else to come in because then you kind of know where you stand and what you want and you have at least a base understanding to help guide them so that they yeah. can do it better. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. I'm still working out some of my processes. Like they've mm -hmm. evolved so much over the last year that I, until I feel like I know exactly what works, I don't think it would make sense to, to take that and give it to somebody else because I think I'd be changing it so much. It'd be a nightmare for that. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. And I, th I know that when people say they have hired somebody to take off something off their plate, like it's just like a godsend and they're so grateful that they did. It's just that, <laughs> that mm -hmm. initial letting go of control is, is tricky. <laughs> yeah. I'm letting go of control right now. Some I'm hiring someone to outsource some design kind of just like some graphic work for yeah. me um because I have all the content and then the design is just so atrocious I'm like I just need someone to clean it up and put it together because yeah and I've done the all the work I just need someone to finish it off and put yeah like if it's something it. <laughs> if it's something that takes you you know five hours to do that could take somebody you know 20 minutes or half an hour like it's not worth the time and energy for you to no. struggle with it when somebody else could do it so much quickly quicker and uh and probably better. potentially better. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's just like, <laughs> sometimes you just know what is better to outsource than other things. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's true, true. But it, I do like asking the question because I find it interesting to hear different people's answers. Most people answer similarly, but um, it is interesting because some people, yeah, like some people really like to outsource social media and other people are more like, like technical things or yeah, it's mm -hmm. just kind of different very like on. financing stuff mm -hmm. like I don't mind right now I just I track everything myself but I can understand some people are like I don't even want to look at my yeah. money like I just want to send people like, yeah. receipts and things and then they can make it all work because it's it's up their alley and it's just so not my yeah. my game yeah 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 I was gonna do um a bookkeeper this year last year and then COVID and I was like yeah I'll just do it myself again this right. year and then same, like they're looking, it's looking like this wedding season's going to be fairly restricted in mm -hmm. the exact same way as last year. So I'm just like, again, I'll just wait. But I, yeah, things like that for sure. Uh, once you're there, I feel like once I'll be there, like, you'll know when the here you go. Right. Take, yeah. I'm passing the torch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so my next question is one of my favorites. What's one thing that has leveled up your business thus far, taking it from um, like a zero to a hundred? Yeah, you know, I think the social media embracing that is is huge. Um, like I said earlier on, like I'm a bit of an introvert. So I think mm. putting myself out there more and it's still something I struggle with. I don't love putting my face on there, but I know it's something that is so beneficial to making a connection with people. And I want to do it more. It's just not my natural state. Um, mm -hmm. So I think really embracing social media and getting um, personal on there and just showing a bit more of myself on there and just embracing the content creation and 
um, is something that has been a huge game changer. So like, if you look at my content that I was posting this time last year, like it was so sad and like small potatoes, like just little things, like nothing really about value. Um, and it's just, I've fully embraced, you know, like writing, the writing of captions and making them, you know, beneficial and valuable to people and really engaging with my audience and things like that is, mm -hmm. has grown my business so much. Um, like I said, it's such a great marketing tool and it's free. So yeah. if, if you aren't doing that, which I'm sure most people are, it's, it is the one thing that can elevate your business kind of overnight. If you can really, um, find the time to, to commit to it. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, as a creative, it's it's a little bit more fun for me because I yeah. can put together the visuals and things like that, um, which I don't mind. But just I think, yeah, embracing the and something I'm still working on is just being more personable on there and putting my face up there because yeah. I, lo <laughs> I love learning from other people that way. So it's like I need to do this myself more. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a thing I'm still working on and growing on. But um, I know it's, it's it's tough. It's a huge impact, though. Like mm -hmm. it's the results are undeniable so anytime I do I put my face on there or talk um the response is always really strong so it's like I can't like why am I not doing yeah. this more but yeah. it's hard it's yeah um yeah but it's, it's uh tough. it's it's very valuable so it's definitely the one thing that I know is is the the game changer for for my business for sure mm -hmm. yeah I yeah I really like that you say that because as a photographer I see that a lot um just like showing your face is huge even my own reach my yeah. best reaching images and yeah kind of stuff on instagram is almost it's all personal so funny, posts. Eh? yeah yeah it's funny I've, I've looked at that recently and i was like it's so uncanny how so drastically fun. different the reaches on the ones with a face on it I'm like mm -hmm. why is that the why is it the case i don't know but it's yeah it works so yeah i need to to do that more <laughs> people like the connection I think yeah and, and I uh, mean I get it I do it myself I love watching yeah. people's yeah like those videos as well mm -hmm. yeah my uh so I was a business partner in a company called Phobia and we did personal branding photography um nice. so we'd go in and shoot with this business owner and do like um we kind of would do like a quarter of a year in one day. So we do like different outfits, different stages, different backgrounds, different locations. Um, so that they had like a quarter of a year of content Very to post. Cool. And then yeah. we'd go in, we'd do like yearly contracts. So we'd go in four times a year. And uh, because I moved mostly, I'm no longer a part of that business, but I am still very close with my, um, partner not partner anymore. I still, I can call her my partner. We're close. Um, and she's actually going to be on next week's episode and we're going to do like, um, a collaborative episode where we're just going to talk about branding and personal branding and Amazing. imagery and that. And so if anyone is interested in branding, that's episode to check out as well as this one. And if you're interested, like I, we haven't prepped any questions or anything. We're recording it on Friday, but, uh, it should be really good. Cause yeah, it is wild how much that helps. Yeah, investing in brand photography is huge too, I think, especially because so much of, like I said, like your business is marketed on social media. Like I mm -hmm. worked with one of the women that I spoke with earlier about referring some website business. She, like I said, she's a brand photographer. So we had met mm -hmm. online actually through Upwork two years ago and had never met. And so she asked, she's like, why don't I do your headshots and do some branding photography? I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. I need, like, I need decent <laughs> photos for Instagram. And it yeah. was the first time we'd ever met in person. She's um, in Mississauga, but we'd been working together online for almost okay. two years. So it was so yeah. nice. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> having the brand photography is a game changer for how you can showcase and, and promote mm -hmm. yourself as a business. So I think that's mm -hmm. a great avenue. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, even just Instagram alone. I like that answer because... I think it's really helped me and my business too. And um, Instagram, just like using hashtags strategically and tagging mm -hmm. other accounts and just being really intentional with what you're putting online can be so beneficial. So I like that your answer is that because I totally yeah, feel that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what are some quick branding tips or marketing tips or just anything that you feel like you're an expert in just some like quick tips that people could literally do right now. <laughs> quick tips. Okay. I would say, I mean, depending on whether you have a brand kind of like fonts and colors, at least to work with, I would just say, make sure you have all of your colors accessible to you. So for instance, like on my stories on Instagram, I have a, a picture of 
my brand colors. And so anytime I want to add text or something, I always try and keep mm -hmm. it within the, the realm of my brand color. Oh, so yeah. I just add that photo in um, just so I can eye drop the color and use it in my text. So little things like that, like have your, you know, color codes on hand, like on a note on your phone or on your computer so that you're always sticking to those. Um, make sure, like I said, always be consistent, like try to use the same font on your Instagram stories, even for instance, like don't try the script font one day and then another one another day, like try to stick to the same one or two fonts just so that that is also consistent. Um, set up templates for yourself. It'll save you so much time, especially if you don't like being creative. Um, and it'll, your business, your business will be better for it because you'll have these consistent um, designs that you keep using. Um, so set up templates, have these things kind of ready to go so that maintaining that brand consistency is as easy as possible. And it, you'll be surprised by how good your brand looks when you're constantly kind of maintaining that similar look and feel. I think people will notice it and, and they'll come to you for it. So even things like Pinterest, like set up templates for your Pinterest designs. If you're sending people to the blog posts or podcast episodes or things like that, like have two or three templates that you can, you know, plug and play the details in and, mm. and actively post. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah just really make things good. easy for you. I think is the easiest um, mm -hmm. actionable tip for branding. Yeah. No, that's huge because, yeah, it is both easy and convenient once you have the template made, but also then exactly you're being really consistent um, online. I most definitely should do that. I don't do that. <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you can use that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to get into some of the bonus questions here. Okay, so the first one here is um, celebrating failure. So anytime, I mean, it doesn't have to be in your own business too, just a time that you made a mistake, you fudged up and you learned from it. What was that lesson? And yeah, talk a bit about that. If you, if you can think of anything, I know yeah, it's a tough let me question. Think. There's a few, uh, I guess there's one just proofreading. I know as like, this is in my contracts that like people need to make sure that they've proofread the work, but sometimes, I mean, I should also be proofreading things. So sometimes I've caught after I've, you know, sent a final, you know, lead magnet or, or document out that I've caught, like I've totally had a typo or, mm. or put the same mm. sentence in twice or something silly. I'm yeah. just like, oh my gosh, like I, I guarantee you that they did not double check out all the copy, but obviously I didn't either. So just like learning to be more thorough with those details, even though it is kind of a shared responsibility. Um, and just, I think for me also, not so much a failure, but things I've learned is just, um, <laughs> it, it comes back to contracts too, is just like, knowing how to navigate with clients and and kind of respecting boundaries mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of times i've been burned in the last year not a lot but like a handful of, of things that i've learned and then like okay this is something that i need to you know preface in a contract so that i'm not you know a client doesn't respond to me for two weeks and i'm just <laughs> left waiting for some mm -hmm. feedback so just like recognizing the little things that um can help improve my workflows in business so that i'm not struggling or failing i think there's a learning curve and in the business flow of things that I've been uh, adjusting to for sure. Yeah, that is such a learning curve. You you almost, you do really have to kind of go through it. Um, yeah. Even if you have an expert write your contract, like there's still gonna be things that are gonna change over time uh, once you experience hmm. it. And for sure, um, like setting the expectation with the client yeah. then too, like a lot of my terms are just simply in there so that the expectation is set. And okay. if it's, you know, if there's any question on that, it's like in written form that they've signed to. Yeah. Like you, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, there are things that are in my contract now that people said early on to do, but I was like, oh, I don't, I don't need that. And yeah. then it happens to you once you're like, oh, I get oh. it. Like, I see why this is important. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, definitely pay attention to the things that uh, can make your client relationships easier and more, um, uh, effective for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm going to kind of reframe this next question because mm -hmm. it's originally it's what was your 2020 goal. Um, but because you literally started your business <laughs> in 2020, <laughs> I suspect your goals were a bit different than they would be like, say this year and specifically no pandemic. So mm -hmm. what kind of what kind of goals did you, well, yeah, I guess it's the same question, but it's, you're just, your answer might be a little bit different. Um, but 
leaving your job, your other job, your full-time job and coming into your own business? What were your goals? And when the pandemic started, did you change your goals? Did you kind of like adjust the ideas you had for where you'd end up a year after that decision was made? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if I had any particular goals in mind. This sounds terrible. When I think about it, when I left, I think my, it was just starting a business and just kind of maintaining it and seeing if I could sustain it was the mm-hmm. biggest goal of all. I don't think I was thinking too uh, ahead of myself that way. Um, so I think the the goals now are more just, um, I, I kind of am a small goal person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't dream too far ahead because you just never know how things will evolve. Um, but I had some like financial targets that I had set for myself. Um, and I hit one of those in September, which was really exciting. Nice. Um, I was just like, oh my gosh, it's, it's, that's awesome. It was picking up so quickly and I was like blown away by it um, because you just never know <laughs> if you're going to be able to pull it off. Um, so I didn't, yeah, I guess I didn't really have too many goals other than just kind of like seeing if I could keep this business afloat. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but now my my goal really is to increase my prices because I find I it's one of the things that I struggle with a lot is just like pricing myself to the value that I provide Mm -hmm. I think I suffer from that like starving artist um, mindset Mm -hmm. just from coming from a creative family and Mm -hmm. always kind of thinking of you know as a creative person you almost feel guilty about charging for something you enjoy so much like it's like you only should be charging more when it's a lot of hard work and struggle and that it's not hard work but it's like I enjoy the process so Mm -hmm. I almost feel this like guilt about pricing it higher so that's something that I've been kind of trying to overcome and, and evolve my my businesses in that way um so that's kind of my biggest target is just like increasing my prices to a point that is actually reflected of the value that I'm providing mm. mm-hmm. that's a great one yeah yeah pricing is tough and like the only thing I, like I remember so I went to photography school and they talked a bit about it and of how like every three to four clients, you should be increasing your price by a certain percent. And you can kind of determine if you'd rather it be every two clients or five clients, but Mm -hmm. every few clients increase it by whatever you feel comfortable increasing it by. Um, And I was always so, I always struggled with that. And now I'm like, no, like I get it. I don't, I don't do it every few clients. I do it every like twice a year or so I'll sit down and do a little bit, add a little bit on there. But um it's also like a bit of self-reflection for like, okay, what have I actually improved in my client's experience over mm-hmm. the last half a year? And what's the value of that going forward if I keep doing that? Um, but I heard a great thing on a podcast. It's a photographer podcast and it's like, I'll, I'll recommend it because I'm sure there's a few photographers that listen. It's mm-hmm. called The Snappening, but it's like very uh-huh. casual. They just like shoot the shit about photo stuff and they're they're a bit of like gear geeks too a little bit so it's really like only for only photographers really find it interesting but they said something interesting too that I have kind of thought of but just hearing it was helpful to have someone else say it too was that like especially for weddings when someone hires you to do a job that job is usually a year later and you're going to have a full Mm -hmm. year's worth of experience before you get to that job. So you should absolutely be charging more because each time you go to do that job that someone hires you for, you've had more experience in between that time. And I'm sure it's a little different for you, but maybe similar in that, like maybe, you know, you will be finishing a job before then. So you'll have another job under your belt and just like looking at it from that perspective too, of like when the job starts, are you going to have more experience under your belt? Because then that's more value. I love that. I definitely need to take that into account. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, like some of, for me, I think some of the projects that drag on a bit longer than the usual timeline, like I, like I have a project that started in October and like I've increased my prices since then. I'm like looking at like the balance that I'll get when it's over. I'm like, oh, this is like so much smaller than um, what I'm now charging, but like I'm still working on this project. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Yeah. To take that into account is it is an important factor, especially yeah, for photography, because you are booking out so far in advance. Like mm-hmm, that's an interesting yeah. and important, I think. Yeah thing to factor into your pricing for sure yeah 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 it's such a great just piece of information to have floating in your brain when you're looking at your prices because I know Mm -hmm. for me I have totally had a wedding or um, 
some kind of booking where I finish it and I'm like, I'm not getting paid enough for this. Like yeah. when I, when they hired me, it felt right. But now this does not feel appropriate. It's, to the it's work. kind of like the ones that, that you charge less for will ask the most of you. Yes. And the ones that you, you know, set a, a price point that's higher, they're usually the ones that are the easiest because they just know that you've got it. And they, mm-hmm. they almost affiliate that price point with your expertise or your yes. ability to perform. So I think setting that mental or mindset for yourself is a reflection to them that you know what you're doing in it it's kind of it's a weird kind of um interwoven complexity when it comes Mm -hmm. to pricing that way Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah Yeah, definitely something I'm learning to to adjust and and grow Mm -hmm. yeah um so I do I just kind of have a couple more little last ones um one of them has to do with kind of uh brand colors and branding um as far as trends go I know different colors will get super trendy. Um, and I guess, do you have any thoughts on how people can avoid, like if they really love those colors and they want them, how people can make sure they're going to love it in five or 10 years and it still represent their brand and, you know, how to make sure people aren't being too on trend or, you know, cause trends come and go. So mm-hmm. I guess it's just relating to branding and trends and how to make sure your brand is set for the long the long haul yeah I think there's kind of two ways you can go about it I think you'll naturally gravitate to colors that you like um I think whether you realize it or not I think just start paying attention to the colors you're drawn to and maybe they're a trend but maybe they are just the colors that like you identify with so for mm-hmm. me I've I've always kind of hey, thinking back to me like like as a kid too like I always wanted green and pink I wanted to paint my room green and pink once and like like <laughs> but like neon green and neon pink yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and like so throughout the years I've changed my colors a bit before when I had like my painting studio website and stuff but it always kind of comes back to green and pink for me um and now it's obviously like deeper tones of those um but I think everybody has that kind of color palette that they're drawn to. So I think just when you can start to recognize it and then think about if it is a palette that you can work with long-term because generally you'll have, a, you know, five colors and maybe two or three of which you'll use most often. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, maybe that's how you, you know, shift over the years is maybe you start with using these two, two colors all the time, but then eventually you shift to the other ones for whatever reason. There's ways to get around it. But I also think in terms of the branding process, you'll work with your designer to kind of come up with a style that isn't to your preferences, but rather speaking to your audience. So maybe you love blues and grays, um, but your audience is mostly female. So you're typically not going to use those blues and grays because it's unlikely to attract the female audience that you're catering to or that you'd like to cater to. So I think you have to put in those kind of strategic elements in the process too of color choices. So your designer can help you guide um, the color choices so that it, it works for your business long-term and they'll be able to point you away from trends. I think trends, I don't know if there's color trends so much because I think y- you can make it work with your brand, um, but just pay attention to why you like something. Is it because mm. you like it because you're seeing it a lot right now or is it because okay. you actually yeah, look yeah. around your home? Do you use that color a lot? Like, mm-hmm. is it something you actually do like and it, it reflects um, throughout your home kind of thing? So like, just think about all the reasons behind why you're choosing colors or migrating mm. to a particular palette. Yeah, that's a really good question to ask yourself because I kind of have that concern too when I see things I like and I'm like, well, maybe I could do that. I'm like, okay, wait, wait. <laughs> Yeah. What if it's just trendy? You don't want to be yeah. off trend. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of I find I'm drawn a lot to like the boho color palettes right now, like a lot of like neutrals and oranges and beiges, which mm-hmm. I don't imagine ever using in my other like so I'm tended like a lot of like saturated colors, but yeah, for some reason they're very soothing and I love seeing people's um, you know, branding that way. But I just know that might be a bit trendy, but I also think it's one that you could, you know, maintain. I don't think there's a reason mm-hmm. why you couldn't um mm-hmm. stick with that one for sure. And I guess to like, correct me if I'm wrong, you could always keep, yeah, keep like say green is kind of mine, but then change the tone Mm -hmm. or shade. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. so you can and that's what I tell people too like you're not limited by those five colors you can use the darker versions of those colors and the lighter versions of your colors it's still within your brand um you know ability and not you're not going off brand by doing so so maybe you start shifting to a different you know shade of that color and that mm-hmm. that works better for you those are those are little things that you can kind of work out um in the beginning and find out what works for you for sure mm-hmm. yeah so one last question what's I mean, you've been in business for a year now. So what's the mm-hmm. biggest lesson, the biggest takeaway thus far? Um, I think you just got to be ready to, you know, learn to roll with the punches and just really trust your instincts. Um, I think, yeah, you, you hear a lot of advice, you know, all the time, like do this in your business, do this, or you, you need to, you know, follow this process. But like, if it if it doesn't work for you, then that's fine. I think. Um, and sometimes you just have to get there on your own. I think there's a lot of stuff I heard early on that I never thought I would do or adopt in my business, but then over time you start to realize why it's important or now it makes sense. And so I think you just have to pay attention to the things that work for you because there's no right or wrong way to do anything. It's just whatever is going to make your day easier and, um, and make business, um, a joy and not stressful then, think just pay attention to to those things and, and ask yourself you know why does this work and why does this not and just you know roll with the punches and mm-hmm. and that's it yeah I love that that's good <laughs> well thank you Jenny so much for being on the podcast today I think we covered many topics but really that yeah. was awesome deep dive into kind of branding and to get to know some more information about that so thank you so much Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. All right. Okay. Thanks, Josie. Yeah, have a good one. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening in. Remember to check us out on Instagram at What the Business Podcast. See you at the next episode.